Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What is going on, friends of the Rockney Cast? This is a podcast designed to improve the mind, the body, and the spirit for men. Dudes, I was driving back from Cedar Rapids yesterday listening to Buck Sexton and Clay Travis, and they had a Tulsi Gabbard, and she's endorsing Donald Trump, and she used to be a Bernie supporter like me. And so that got me to thinking about my own political journey over the last couple of years. And I and I thought about how now, now I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is kind of a badass bitch that I totally support. And I think AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who I actually met and had a picture with and was like really cool. I thought she was really cool in 2019. I freaking can't stand her. Now, this has all occurred in the scope of about three to four years and attracts nearly exactly uh, the path that Tulsi Gabbard has taken too. She used to be a Bernie supporter. Now she supports Trump. And by implication, I'm assuming she's kind of simpatica with Archery Taylor Green. So I thought I'd share with you for this episode of the Rockney cast, my path from, from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whom I used to think was really cool and I supported her policies to Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I totally support now. And I think she is a badass bitch. I mean, she is a tough motherfucker. And I would much rather have Marjorie Taylor Greene on my side than AOC. So why am I focusing on this particular topic? This is a podcast for dudes. And here I'm focusing on these two dynamic women, because I think it kind of reflects what we need to focus on in the Rockney cast, not only about dudes, but what are the type of women that we should celebrate in the culture and that men should openly advocate for in terms of this culture. And I can't think of two more perfect women to identify the various polls, the political polls that we have in this country and what's right about it and what's wrong about it, and better yet, what we can do about it. Because ultimately, I think if you adopt the policies of AOC, both individually and at a macro level, you are setting yourself up for an ungovernable health scape. 
Whereas if you address the policies of Marjorie Taylor Greene, you are setting yourself up for a firm foundation, happiness, stability, and physical, mental, and emotional resilience. So I think it's important you understand why this topic is so important. And so before we get into the why question, let's give you a brief introduction to these two if you don't know who they are. Um, they're two of some of the most famous women in the United States. So if you've been living under a plant or you're in Australia or Great Britain, you may not know who these particular women are, but you basically have the same diff in your own culture. So just think about the people in your culture who are basically the same, you know, the know-it-all liberal bitch and the dynamic traditional alpha mama bear you know, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Sarah Palin, you know, these people that are kind of like alpha women. Yeah, I mean, so every culture has this. So the question is, what kind of uh, culture do we want to celebrate and why is it so important? So first off, before I, before I kind of tear AOC down, let me celebrate some of her strengths, um, some of her virtues, and some of what makes her a national political figure in defense of her. She's only, I think, 34 years old. She was born in 1989. She's still kind of a babe in arm. She is a congresswoman from the 14th District in New York. I believe it's in the Bronx. Uh, she went to Boston University, holds a degree in economics and international relations. And when she ran for office, she defeated Joe Crowley, a long-tenured, heavyweight, centrist Dem politician, and basically just crushed him in the primary. And then in that particular election, won and almost instantly became a national figure. She's very telegenic. She's very articulate. She's very engaging. She's very effective at what she does. But I think it's important to look at not only the messaging, but why it would be such a hellscape if her policies actually got into, into, into um, fruition. So she's in Northern. I think she has a Puerto Rican background. Her dad was, I think, had some money, though. She actually grew up in the burbs, like a lot of wannabe communists. I think she had kind of a cushy upbringing. But he died at, um, when she was relatively young. There was an issue in probate. And then when she ran for office, she was a bartender, like basically glorified barista, which I totally respect, and beat Joe Crowley. So she has some amazing political chops. And I think if I met her, I think I'd probably like her, but I would kind of be scared of her because she's like one of these liberal women that like, if you say the wrong thing, she'll go from supporting you to totally destroying you. That's why I think she likes this Riley Roberts, because I think he's kind of a cock. Like, she can kind of control him, and he doesn't really do much, and she can kind of doesn't have to worry about that stuff. And so, in contrast, you could not find two different women in office than AOC and then Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she is the congresswoman. And I think they were elected about the same time. AOC may have beaten her by one electoral term, but pretty much a similar time frame. MTG, who now I think I'm a total MTG person. Uh, but if you go in, the first thing I heard about her was, is that she was basically crazy. 
She was a QAnon supporter, and she believed that they were all pedophiles. Now, now let's just get into this topic. Now, I have not done a deep dive into Pizzagate and all that stuff. I have not. Okay, so don't, 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 don't go there yet. But it's one of those things that so she was totally calumnied uh, right from the start. And yet, if you actually listen to her, if you actually listen to her policies. You're like, God, this woman just actually has a lot of common sense, and she makes a lot of sense. So what? what's MTG's background? Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's a congresswoman. Her dad ran a construction business, and I think she had some um, influence in the construction business as well. Um, she went to the University of Georgia, got a degree in business administration in 1996, got uh, also involved in CrossFit. She's, she's a very beautiful woman. Uh, she had started... I think the business about 20 years ago and had a, her own little CrossFit in somewhere in suburban Georgia. And then in the teens, 20 teens, she got involved in the politics, uh, culminating in her actually um, election to the United States Congress. And she's a huge Trump supporter and Trump totally endorses her. And she's kind of, she's kind of a badass bitch. So that's kind of these, these two poles. And I thought my own journey would be helpful for you because I think it's important for our country writ large in terms of what's right and what's wrong with the country and kind of what led me to kind of go away from the AOC point of view as opposed to the MTG. And it wasn't that I was just gullible initially. And now one of my pet peeves with conservatives is you're like, hey, well, now you you just are kind of naive and you just didn't understand before. Now, now there's a reason for some of these policy choices. I, I did have, and I still have a very nuanced view. So it wasn't that I was ultimately gullible. But I did kind of have my own personal moment of transformation. And I think this is a podcast, unless you think I've gone off the rails and said, oh my God, I thought this was a podcast for mind, body, and spirit. This is about politics. And in particular, it's about two women, babes. I mean, why, why, why the hell do you care about that? Well, because I think it's important for your own evolution. Because if you support AOC and, and larger the Dems, I think I'm going to do a second, one thing that's been bouncing around in my head, a second episode, it's called Real men do not vote Democrat. So if you got a pair of balls, you do not vote Democrat. And you certainly do not support politicians like AOC because they will create a hellscape. So what? why did I like AOC in the first place? Well, um, I liked Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders, I liked a lot of things about him. One, and this is one, one of my entry points into the left was its unadulterated commitment to people to get their hands a segment of it. The labor movement, there's no question, even though there were some exceptions in the early 20th century, early on, the labor movement really aligned itself with a lot of leftist politics people that worked in the, the factory floor. And I think it's really exemplified by kind of Michael Moore's personal story um, in Flint, Michigan, you know, where his father was a union, a union guy. They had good wages. They worked really hard. Companies made some good money, but there were some of the union struggles. And it's kind of this phenomena of celebrating everyday work. And that is kind of what attracted me to Bernie Sanders. I think Bernie had a decent position on trade. 
it doesn't make any sense to allow corporations to just cherry pick where they want to operate to do market uh, business in the United. And this is, by the way, very similar to to Trump in terms of where Trump is at. And um, universal health care, you know, when people critique that, there are some issues with it, I think. But in terms of Medicare, there's no doubt that there are aspects of the market in which you're not going to get a private market functioning in it because there's no money to care for large numbers of people that do not make any money. People that are already sick, have pre-existing conditions, elderly people. No insurance is going to do that because there's no uncertainty about the cost of healthcare when you're really old. You know it's going to be super expensive. And an actuary looking at those premiums is never going to say that that's a good bet. You're going to lose money. As opposed to a young person where there is this kind of health-related bet. If you're going to have something bad happen to you, they can price that risk and sell a reasonable premium. So that's kind of how I got into Bernie. And I served on the Iowa City Council from 2015 to 2019. And I really liked his policies. And, and, and also, I liked his approach, his unstinting approach to everyday working people. And by the way, I still totally love that. But like a lot of rank and file union members, which Trump is totally going after, although I like that, men and women who work for a living stick their head down, work hard just to respect the dignity of everyday working people. And Bernie came alive and said, yeah, that, that's my coalition. People that are brown, people that are black, everyone who wants to work should not be poor. Now, what was the problem with Bernie and how did AOC come on my radar? Bernie was like a kind of grandpa. You kind of talk like this. He talked about health care and the workers. And he was from Vermont and he kind of sounded like he was from Brooklyn. And he was about 900 years old. You know, they say that Moses lived in 900 years old. Well, I don't know, but I think Bernie Sanders probably lived in like 905. He's still alive. He's still very healthy. He's kind of smart and charming. And I like Bernie. And I still like Bernie. There's a lot of Bernie Trump people. I, I'm serious. Like, it's when you really start flipping it and looking at it, this path that Tulsi has taken. Because basically, I think what we all have in common, us Trump and us Bernie people, we do not like effete, degenerate um, liberals and people that don't really get their hands dirty for a living and have a lot of just kind of this degenerate culture. And we just don't like that. Um, and so Bernie came along and had kind of this unsteading belief in this. And he was not a centrist down. And he had this kind of interesting coalition of people. But he also had one of his supporters, AOC. And so at the end of my term on city council, I got asked to speak at a Bernie Sanders rally. And I'm like, well, my term is about ready to end. And they said, well, it doesn't matter. You're an elected official. Come speak at the rally. And the rally that I was chosen to speak at involved AOC. So I actually got a picture with AOC, which I thought was really, really cool. And AOC is a tremendous speaker. She is very dynamic. She's very personable. Um, she's she's kind of very she's kind of very nice. Although she is one of these women, like if I I don't have a son, but if I had a young son and I was on a college campus and I was telling you know in terms of who he should avoid, these like uber-empowered <clears throat> feminist women at colleges. You have to avoid them at all costs. If you have a son, 
if you know someone who has a son and they all want to like pursue one of these these types of women, uber feminist, super empowered, um, basically they want all men to be cocks and they're heterosexual, but they are, you, you just gotta be careful because if you make one wrong move and you're in a college campus, they will report you and they will claim sexual assault. And as a result of that, playing with sexual assault, a whole apparatus of women empowerment and victimhood will go into motion. And so you have to be very, very careful with these women because they, they're heterosexual, at least I think, and they are very empowering and they can be kind of, they can be kind of dynamic and attractive, but you've got to avoid them. Pick a traditional woman, an athlete, someone who um, believes in traditional values, someone who's a good Christian woman, like a like a 20-something Marjorie Taylor Greene, because she's probably not, she's not going to do that. She's just not going to be that. But she's going to be very empowering in that sort of thing. So AOC was at this event, and she was great. And I, I considered it one of the highlights of my career that I got to talk in front of probably 2,000 people um, at a rally for Bernie Sanders. I got to meet AOC. I actually introduced Naomi Klein, who was um, wrote No Work, some really good stuff about uh, worker-owned cooperatives in Argentina. And I was just like, gosh, th this is like the highlight of my career. And now I cannot stand AOC. I, I cannot stand her policies. And in particular, let's focus on our policies because I'm sure, you know, well, okay, let's just say if I met AOC again and like she had a coffee with me, what would the interaction be like? Well, it'd probably be okay. She's superficially friendly enough. But here's one of the things that just sort of the big picture and then I'll get into some of the details is, and I'll also reveal some of my own weaknesses at the time that led me to find this ideology attractive in the first place. And some of you are going to say like, yeah, my God, why didn't you realize this earlier? Well, I'll share my own journey and it may be helpful to your own journey. Because if you still believe in progressive politics and you're a dude, I seriously question whether you have a pair of balls, if you have any self-respect at all. So um, I, I just couldn't self, I could not respect myself and be an, a, a, an honest to God man and support any aspect of the AOC movement. So let's talk about this hypothetical meeting that I've ever had with AOC. She'd be friendly and nice, and I'm sure she's probably pretty interesting. She'd probably be pretty fun to have someone over to a dinner party, right? But if we ever got into policy discussions and there was any of her other, her buddy friends, like basically the women on The View, she would go into lecture mode. So what's the big problem with AOC and her movement in general? These self-empowered, hypocritical, liberal women, which by the way, the other part of the Clan Buck um, podcast that was really interesting, the Democratic Party right now could not function without liberal women, period. So it's basically kind of like a lot of miserable women who are trying to embrace an ideology that only leads to unhappiness, and they're looking to the government as their religion. And this is AOC. And this is why I feel far sorry for Riley Roberts, because, I mean, dude, you are on a path to, like, a hellscape. It's going to suck to be married to AOC. 
trust me. So the thing that she would do, and this is what I think a lot of bleeding heart liberals do, one, they have absolutely no desire to listen where you're coming from. None, none, none whatsoever. So if I talk to AOC, she would, the entire time, lecture me. She would not listen. Instead, the entire purpose of the, I think actually college roommate kind of does this now too. They have no interest in listening to where I'm coming from with this stuff. None. Instead, they just lecture me about why I am ordinate called. So that, that's the only technique they have, which is to lecture. And if that doesn't work, to insult. And if that doesn't work, these people are so vicious to go after you. So it's not enough that you have, I don't hate AOC because she has a different point of view. I would never call for her to be fired for advocating a particular position, but she would have no desire to listen. No desire to see where I'm coming from. Instead, she would engage in the lecture. And the lecture would be from what she had learned in college from professors who themselves had never done what they teach about. So you have a lot of people lecturing about things with no freaking clue about the nature of reality and how it actually works. So you have a whole class of people that are being taught on how to be the victims. And this is embodied in the policies of AOC. So let's just go through, I'm not gonna do a deep dive into all of them, but I'll offer essentially two critiques, one macro, one micro, which I think in my view proves, and whether one of the examples I'm gonna talk about is, is actually in existence, but a macro and micro illustration of why these policies, if implemented, would lead to a complete hellscape. And if you were there, you should sell. So, okay, let's talk about these. And they all seem good. So this is from Wikipedia, but I think it's pretty, it does reflect AOC, that Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez supports progressive ideals. I call them hellscape ideas, such as workplace democracy i'll get into workplace democracy singer payer for all which i don't necessarily have problem with single single payer um as long as you don't have to be enrolled into it especially and if you want something a lot cheaper but there has to be some personal responsibility with that tuition free public college and trade school a federal job guarantee the cancellation of $1.6 trillion of outstanding debt, guaranteed family leave, abolishing U.S. immigration and customs enforcement, ending the privatization of prisons, enacting gun control policies and energy policy relying on 100% renewables. And she told Anderson Cooper that she favors most policies that most closely resemble what we're seeing in the UK, in Norway, in Finland, and in Sweden. So some of these, you're like, well, Cole, this doesn't sound that bad. That doesn't sound so bad. Why don't, you know, why don't we have this? Well, I'm going to expand it to actually three. 
And let's just talk about them and go through why this would be such a hellscape and why she's so effing incompetent. Workplace democracy. Now, on the one hand, I think there are examples of worker-owned cooperatives um, and workplace democracies throughout the United States. Where do these places, what types of businesses are these? And I, I could envision maybe a type that might work. The type of workplace democracy that you tend to see in the YouTube videos is like a pizza shop or a coffee shop. And they're usually really idealistic 20-somethings. And they're like, well, we all vote and we have a, a holacracy where we all sit around and vote and make decisions together for the business. Well, why are these types of businesses so infrequent and why don't you see them really work really at all? Usually they're, they totally fail within seconds. Well, what's the problem? Have you any of you ever attended an activist meeting? where something bad happens, like an episode of police brutality, and you go to a meeting. And you will see a conglomeration of the most idealistic, yet ineffective people, no demand. Because they all like equality and equity. And so if you go to these meetings, I, I can just guarantee you this is going to happen. What's going to happen? Well, first of all, they believe in democracy. So in the workplace, which is great. So in these meetings, what the first thing you usually see is we're really outraged by a single topic that we have no control over and have nothing to do with causing. What are we going to do about it? Well, let's first introduce ourselves. So the first thing these democracies do is they all go around and introduce themselves. And they do this and they usually take about half of the time while everyone introduces themselves, okay? That's usually what happens. So usually people's attention has just gone straight down the tubes. The second thing they do is, is they all want to speak. And they all want to, this is kind of this just, oh, I want to celebrate how virtuous we are. And of course, we all have to speak. None of them have an inner clock. So they all go and speak and ramble on forever. And mind you, by this time, nothing has actually happened. And then they make demands. They have demands about things they want to accomplish. Well, if you have one of these workplace democracies, you, what you would see is everyone should be paid a lot of money, have great benefits, and tons of time off, which I'm all supportive of if you can make it happen. But the problem is, is that if you had a worker-owned enterprise, what would happen? There would be no money because everyone would want super high pay, super great benefits, but have no clue how to pay for it. So unless it's funded by the government or some other organization, the thing is going to go bankrupt nearly immediately because they have no clue. And the other thing, and this is one of the reasons why the traditional business system works so well, is that it makes money because the people that are assuming the responsibility accrue the benefits. And it recognizes that in a business, you have to have hierarchy. You have to have the boss. You have to have someone that's holding people accountable to make it work. And so if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez ran a business, it would fail nearly immediately. Now, the only way that it wouldn't fail, 
she would probably get, you know, in Marxism, they talk about original accumulation and primitive accumulation. Well, there's probably another word for him. Sugar, she could probably have sugar daddy accumulation of, of capital. So if, if AOC ran a business, she might be able to succeed, but never from the grassroots up because the reason why she would fail is that she would have all these benefits and she'd have no clue how expensive everything is. And she would not be able to give workers all the time off. Well, that's great when they get time off, but who's minding the store? Who's producing the well so you can pay the benefits? They do not understand that. And there's basically no way to understand that until you do it. You know, Lyndon Baines Johnson once famously said, he said, the difference between chicken salad and chicken shit is, is the difference between, he compared it between the Senate and the um, being in the, in the House because the Senate was so much smaller. But I could take that, the difference between an idea and executing an idea is the difference between chicken salad and chicken shit. It, the, the gap is so broad. You know, Mark Twain once famously said, the difference between the right word and the nearly right word is the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. It is so much harder to execute in reality than talking about it, which is what AOC, AOC just likes to flap her gums. She's never produced one job that didn't involve the government. So she could not, it would freaking collapse. Now, AOC, she's gonna become so famous that she could probably get some, some sugar daddy accumulation where she would just get huge donors just to give her money to start. And that's probably what she's going to do. She's going to cash it. She's going to make multi, multi millions of dollars. No, she should, which again, there's no problem. But that's going to be because of her own individual talent. But in terms of running the business, the numbers will not add up and it will not work unless she, again, she is a sugar daddy or some external um, person to support this kind of business. And so, like, you know, some of you may be wondering, oh my God, why don't you have editing? Why don't you do more like a higher quality production? Well, one of the reasons, why, why don't I, why do I, why do I do my um, audio over the computer? Well, I've made the, I, at some point I'm going to, but I made the tactical decision that it's more important to put work out into reality and to get it done rather than spend 50 hours on one episode. So I'm deliberately trying to hone my craft through repetition and reality as it is, rather than just kind of spend 50 hours to try to get the perfect episode. So I, I'm definitely gonna, you know, at some point I wanna upgrade, but at this point I've made the decision in reality, cause it's hard. You try a podcast, I've, I've now done it for four years and I've got that under my belt. And guess what? I am a podcaster. AOC probably could do something along those lines. I mean, she's going to be fine, but if you actually implemented this type of policy, workplace democracy, it would be an absolute hellscape. And you need to look no far farther than the activist meetings. You get a lot of people that talk with no idea how to actually get things done. Because the, and this gets to my second critique of AOC and liberalism in general. The giant, and then I'll get to the demonstration. 
the giant gaping hole in Bernie and AOC, and you look at all of their rhetoric, and I look at my own evolution of a man um, from someone who was out of shape, uninspired, not in alignment with my values to where I am today, I think it matches why I have so fervently rejected the ideology of AOC. It's not that there isn't some discussion of to the virtues of government. There certainly is. And we, we need to be able to have government to provide the roads, provide the order, external defense, the, the mail. So there, there are, you know, some level of planning, water, sanitation, law enforcement. There are governmental needs. And I've, I've, I've always appreciated that. But if you look at her policies, let's, let's just tick them off again. Single medical, Medicare for all tuition-free college, a federal job guarantee, cancellation of $1.6 trillion of student debt, guaranteed family leave, abolishing U.S. immigration and customs enforcements, ending the privatization of prisons, enacting gun control policies, and energy policy relying on 100% renewables. What's missing from that? She never relies on personal responsibility at all. And if you think that you can change your life, and same thing with Bernie, everything, whether it's Bernie, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, is based upon blaming someone else rather than controlling what you can control and getting it done by yourself. Now, we're all, we're no person is an island. We all act in these interconnected webs but when you start thinking about all of the things that you can control that have nothing to do with the government, the list is astonishingly vast in terms of your well-being that has nothing to do with the government. Now, it's a Venn diagram. There are some things you can't control. I cannot control what happens in Ukraine. I can't. I cannot control what happens in Ukraine, but I can control what time I go to bed, what I put in my mouth, how much beer that I drink, what money I spend, having a gratitude practice, doing journaling, putting out this podcast, having a positive attitude, having a decent diet, doing push-ups every day. Government can't make me in shape. You know, I think of this weight loss drug there's some, it's like Ozempic or some drug. And they're like, give me, God, let's get a pill so we can lose weight. It's the classic problem. You cannot change your life and the government will not do it for you if you don't get your own shit together. And that applies to all of you, whether you're in the UK, whether you're in Norway, the government is not going to solve your life. You are. You must take control. You must get it done. You must take control of what you're doing. And everything that AOC involves, involves blaming someone else and completely letting people off the hook for their own actions. On the level of personal responsibility, it's zero. So if you commit a crime, and especially if that crime hurts someone else, there's a consequence to that. And we just can't let you out. And so that and so that gets me to 
Um, so, and, and every single one of AOC's policies involves someone else doing it. Someone else providing the job, someone else signing the, the paycheck, someone else doing it, and never holding individual constituents accountable. She got confronted at a recent event in New York where someone was holding her account for the illegal alien uh, that was there and saying that she's more concerned about that than she is her own constituents. Now, her response probably is, oh, we can do both. No, you can't. Resources, life is scarce. Resources are scarce. Time is scarce. You can't effectively do two things at the same time. And that fundamental acknowledgement of scarcity is something that she has no clue about because she's young, she's naive, and she is inexperienced. But that gets me to why I like Marjorie Taylor Greene. First off, I just like Greene, especially I love her Ukraine policy, her America First policy. What I love about her is that she's the type of person you can just see in the grocery store. She's independent. She's confident. She's tough. She believes in traditional male-female dynamics. So, you know, here I'm against the feminist, but yet, and she would probably run from the feminist term, but she's precisely the type of woman that is would function really well in this particular culture. She has three kids. AOC has none, and I, I don't even know if AOC ever will um, have kids. And I think that's a problem. We have this, this degenerate liberal culture that hates children and that looks at children like they're just some sort of appendage, that they're some sort of nuisance. And the extent that they're involved at all, just get the government to control them and to take them and to just view um, children as just some sort of unnecessary burden to your own personal fulfillment. And it gets down to Marjorie Taylor Greene, her background, her dad being in business, having to meet a payroll and understanding what's that that's like. It's not easy to make payroll. It's not easy to get things done. It's not easy to be a builder. All of these things are important. And all of these things are something that someone who's been out in the world getting things done will make it happen. Now, I'm not going to do a, oh, and I, and I did want to talk about one final poll and just demonstration of the AOC hellscape, 100% renewable energy. Okay, so let's take a look at that, what it actually looks like. I live in Iowa. Now, fortunately, this has not hit my part of the United States, but if you really want 100% renewable, that would be wind, solar, and presumably hydroelectric, but you know, Dems don't like to dam up the dam. So you're really talking about wind and solar. If you see this, this is an example of actually seeing it in action. Western Iowa, which is very conservative, but they've really adopted this, this renewable energy, West wind energy thing. And I think it's part because of federal tax credits with this. And if you look at Western Iowa and various parts of Iowa, it looks like a hellscape because it's full of wind turbines all over the place. And if you actually tried to get to 100% renewables, you would literally have to have solar and windmills covering vast swaths of territory. And this is such a demonstration of why? Because wind is not very efficient at translating 
energy into electricity or, or the wind, it's not very efficient as opposed to fossil fuels are highly efficient. Gas in terms of the energy, energy density is much more efficient at translating the substance into the actual energy that we rely upon. And that is what it looks like. So that's just kind of a demonstration of it. Another demonstration of the hellscape of AOC, you know, she's kind of an abolish the police person. If you go to places where they've abolished the police, just go and see what they look like. And here's the most pernicious thing is that the liberals abolish the police in areas that need the police and usually ends up being neighborhoods of people of color. So basically, while they go to bed in their cushy suburban neighborhoods, the people that actually need the police services to be protected are left unprotected and they can usually be communities of color. So that's why if you're a community of color, if you're a person of color and you support the Dems, you are supporting an ideology of degenerate people that are not going to help you out. They only care about your vote. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm not going to get into the deep dive of the, the QAnon and all those things related to that. Although I would note it is historical fact that Jeffrey Epstein knew Bill Clinton, knew Bill Gates. A lot of people went to the island. Like, that happened. And, and it died under very suspicious circumstances. I, I mean, I'm just saying. I have not done a deep dive into that. But, but that's just that's just a fact. So when people are like, oh, my God, that's a, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. It's totally false. That's some evidence, okay? That, that's some evidence. So, so don't, don't say that there's no evidence for that. But why I like her, I just like her that she's freaking tough. She's a woman's woman. She supports law enforcement. She supports rule of law. She supports following the rules. She supports individual enterprise and initiative. She supports men being men and women being women. And the public school system focusing on math, education, literacy, the basics, getting physically fit, art, music, you know, the basics. That's Marjorie Taylor Greene. And if you actually listen to her, as opposed to the caricature, it is, she's she's very, very articulate. She is not dumb. And she also is now a colleague of Tulsi Gabbard. And so I just see two incredibly dynamic, independent, strong, powerful, alpha women that are supporting the Republican Party right now. And I, and I think... You know, without getting into all the deep dive of her policies, I think that is why I really like her. Now, if you were on an island, okay, and, and you and your survival depended on being on the island, who would you rather have? And, and don't don't go there in terms of you know the reproduction issue. Assuming you have enough population, okay. But you have two leaders that you want to choose on this desert island. So, so by definition, you have scarce resources, right? Who would you rather choose, AOC or MTG? To me, the 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 decision is easy, because what M MTG is going to do is she would support uh, picking a leader and probably the alpha dude leader of the group that's going to impose some discipline. If she's going to be the lister, she, leader, she's going to be executive. 
And that's going to mean fairness in terms of resources, but it's going to mean everyone on that island has to do their part. Everyone has to produce. Everyone has to get the coconuts. Everyone has to harvest the seashells. Everyone has to get the work, and that has to be imposed by day-to-day -day discipline, pragmatism, and discipline. Now, what would AOC do in the Desert Island? She would say, oh, it should all be equal. What about family leave? What about medical care? What about all these things and goodies? It should all be free. And then if anyone doesn't do it, she'll make a she'll make a, an excuse for them. Oh, well, you're just anti-LGBTQIA. So the society would collapse. And that is what happens when, because at some point the bill becomes due, you know, like in Argentina, this Malay is, is finally starting to have to clean up the gigantic mess that has been left by 50 plus years of printing money, of just having these fantasies about the nature of reality and not actually dealing with reality as it is. So that's my journey. And I think why it's relevant to men is that I think that there are, I think in terms of my own journey um, from AOC to MTG, it feels really, really good. And it feels very, very clear eyed. This isn't like, oh my God, I'm just, you know, one of the things that just, I cannot stand, um, in the talk about MAGA and Trump people being a cult, it's the opposite of the cult. It's the cult members of DC and these, these people that can't think freely. They're the cult. I have not, no one has persuaded me. No one has forced me into this. I could leave it any time. The reason why I like MAGA is that it's built on toughness. It's built on tradition. It's built on patriotism. It's built on strength. It's built on not celebrating people who are motherfucking pussies. And that's what liberalism is. It's the party of excuses. And it's the party of blame. And it's the party of misery. If you follow that ideology, take something to the bank. You are going to be on a path to misery. Period. End of story. No ifs, answer, but you will be miserable. And in terms, of, and so in terms of my 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 own journey, it's based upon the realization. You know, in terms of my stoicism, one of the greatest books I've ever read was on stoicism by a professor from Wright State University. I believe it's like Jeffrey Irwin. But it's basically on the joy of Stoicism. And it's really focusing on Epictetus's first sentence. The art of life is focusing on what you can control and completely letting go of that what you can't. And for a long time in my own life, I focused on things I could not control, politics, social justice, other things, as opposed to focusing on things that I could control, my spirituality, the relationship I have with my mom, um, exercise, getting things done, owning up to my own failures and affirming my own strengths and doing what I wanted to do and getting into alignment with what my strengths are. And the reason why I supported AOC is that I was putting all my trust, all my hope, all my control in the government, something that 
I could not control. And as a result of that, I was miserable. And now that I'm on the path to being independent, a free thinker, right? Crave people that allow us to be free. It's a clear path to Donald J. Trump. And that's not because I'm part of the cult. That's not because I'm um, misguided or I don't understand. And I'm, I don't claim to be a genius. You know, I do read 30 to 40 books a year. I, can, I consume, I do read the New York Times still. I'm not just kind of just like picking this out of my ass. I'm not just... I'm not just believing this stuff just because I've just been brainwashed. No, I've come to this because anyone who actually creates and makes a living on their own and tries to do it, be the best version of of themselves, creates strength, they they create Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tradition. They crave order. They they crave a a culture that celebrates people getting things done and holding themselves and each other accountable. And AOC is just the opposite. You adopt her ideology, you are on the path to misery. MTG, you adopt her ideology, you're on the path to prosperity, strength, and getting things done. So I've hoped you found this particular episode um, helpful because I think in terms of men, it's it's not only who you are as a man, but what you expect in this culture of womanhood that we have, um, how we're going to approach that, how you assess who you are interested in. I think for young men entering the world, do not do not focus on women like AOC. It's a path to misery. Um, celebrate women who like a culture of childbirth and child rearing and um, owning up to the differences and celebrating the differences between men and women to have this kind of healthy polarity between the two. That is the essence of the cultural war that we're in right now between on the one side, people who are blamed, hate Christianity, make fun of anyone who actually works for a living. They hate their culture. They hate even the concept of gender, of being able to um, follow any rules. They exempt themselves from having to do any work. And instead, they lecture other people while they themselves have never produced anything. And so that is my own journey. And I, I hope you found this helpful because I think even though I'm really trying to focus on the health, the mind, the body, the spirit, things that make you the best version of you, so that we can create a strong set of warriors, of tough guys, of people that embrace the challenges of life, rather than people who are, you know, like vegans. Like, I, I'm not, I never trust a vegan. 
the vegans they, they look like shit they're weak they um are skinny they stink so i would never trust a vegan so yeah there's a lot of different things to talk about but i think this this topic with tulsi is a good one yeah because i think it does identify exactly what i went through and i totally hear her so i think i'm going to do some more on politics because i do think we can't retreat from the world and i think we are going to have to have some people that are serving in these capacities now whether that will be me and, and i get out in the future at some point i probably will but only when i'm ready to and only when i have my own shit together before i try to become you know, Lombardi's famous phrase master thyself before they master others i need to master myself first but ultimately, we have to we have to commit and sacrifice to preserve this great republic of ours, or the whole thing is going to freaking collapse, and it's going to be freaking chaos. And we're going to wish that we had had more courage to call these things out. The president of El Salvador recently spoke that spoke that um, he, he spoke at the CPAC conference. He talked about being boiled like the frog, being boiled in a vat of water, and not really realizing how hot it is until it's too late and you're actually boiled alive. That is exactly the issue that we're having. Our culture is being destroyed from within by both people who think they're acting in good faith and malicious, nefarious elements. And if we don't fight back about that and support this great culture of ours, we are in for a long ride. And But, but in order to be able to do this, we need to be emotionally resilient, financially resilient, spiritually resilient, we need to create this strong network of strong, independent, tough people. And I think that is um, absolutely critical um, to moving forward as a culture. Um, so I hope you found this particular episode. I will continue to do some political related content. We'll also do some more micro content. You know, I love Tick. I love I mean, you know, work on Bill O'Reilly on Philly Jesus. It's kind of interesting. Um, so we'll still continue to do some really good books, um, some really good health related content like the virtues of apple cider vinegar and lemon peel and intermittent fasting and, and all of those good things. I hope, I hope you're finding this stuff interesting. We are sponsored. I should be doing these sponsorships at the beginning of the podcast. We are sponsored by the Ocean T-Shirt Factory for your Ocean T-Shirt. Um, you need to send me a check for $20 or you can send me an email at rockneycast.gmail.com. Put code word Ocean in the subject line and you will get a $5 discount. Do give me your side and, and uh, your mailing address and I will send that to you. But it is, we are sponsored now by the Ocean T-Shirt Factory, my first sponsorship. And so if you want a T-shirt from the Ocean T-Shirt Factory and a discount, you should order. Oh yeah. And one more thing before I go, I got my first bad review. I looked on my reviews on Spotify and it was 3.7. And before it had a five, so I think someone must have given me a totally bomb review on this podcast. And I feel like I've kind of made it. I feel like the jerk in, in um, you know, Steve Martin, the jerk, when he gets his name in the phone book, I'm like, oh my God, I got my first hater. I've been trying to tell my daughter that, that it, like if you have people that criticize you and you have haters, it means you're starting to make it. Now, but you got also, for those of you who actually love this podcast, Give me those positive reviews on Apple, Spotify, and all places where podcasts are heard, and continue to share this particular podcast so that people can learn about this high-quality content. This is some of the best content maybe in the world. And so I'm going to um, continue to do it for you, and it's going to continue to be very, very frequent. 
and you're going to continue to really love it. So that's it for this episode of the Rocky Cast. My path from AOC to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, that's where I am politically now, but it's feeling good. It's feeling peaceful and it's feeling like I'm on the right path. That's it for this episode of the Rocky Cast. Until you and I see each other next time on the Rocky Cast.